welcome, welcome to the Provo Kid Podcast. And I used to start always in the middle of a story, and I forgot to fucking do that this time. I really enjoy starting the podcast in, in a mid-story, because it just, I think it brings people in. Um, so I'll just start with this story. I used to have, like, I have autistic traits, okay? And one of them is using Google Maps. I love Google Maps, and I love Google Trends. And... It's not a real big conspiracy, uh, or in other words, it's not that a lot of people don't know this, but or haven't suggested this, but people use at the at the top, right, the power system. They use what do they use? They use Google as a way 1984 to memory hole things. So there was this thing I noticed in the 2000s uh, with Google Trends. 2010s all the way up to the last two years except which is something i've noticed that's why i'm bringing this issue to you when i go to google trends during the iraq afghanistan war right um when you would search war on google i'm going to show you this uh on google trends that is this is tip- this is a uh, google trends typically and i i sent the search term to war and if you're listening on Spotify or iTunes later, this is a visual part of the show. Not completely necessary, but it might help if you take a look and watch this. So what I have here is Google Trends and search terms for war. So, and if you notice at the bottom, the related topics, this is my point of contention. Uh, the top things are World War Z, which is a movie, Gears of War, which is a game, War Thunder, which is a game, Summoner's War, which is a game, and Gears of War, which is another game. And let's look at to related queries. Avengers, Affinity War, God of War, Ragnarok, Affinity War, God of War, Gears of War. So my point in bringing this up is there's there has been conflict in the Middle East. There has been conflict or some type of war periodically, I'd say just fuck since the Internet started. Right. And Google and the powers that be, the military industrial complex, don't want you to search war and like see photos of dead people, coffins. Um, they like that's bad. That's bad press, bad PR. So what they did is they clogged up all the search terms. And then the idea is like, well, are people clogging up these search terms? Or I think they're actually creating products with certain word titles in them, so they just massively pile on the the Google index. So if you really want to search something, you have to be specific. But this thing has changed, right? So if we do past five years, I'm going to go this past five years. Let's transition the screen again. Uh, Again, we have the Tomorrow War, Call of Duty, and now we get to something new, Russia-Ukrainian War. Okay, this is fascinating to me. So we're starting to see Avengers Endgame, China, United States trade war. And then on the related topics, of course, you have the video games, God of War, Cold War Zombies, Call of Duty, Call of Duty, Call of Duty. And what what I'm saying here is it is fascinating when America was in war in the Middle East for 20 years or whatever. You search war like, oh, look at all these video games. Look at all these movies. But now that there's a war. In a, in a point to where all of our money's being funded and um, where most of our country's resources are going. Well, what do you now look at this? So I'm going to show you this again. This is, I think, completely unusual. Ukraine. So I changed now. We're looking at the past year for war and search terms. Uh, Ukraine, right? Institute for the Study of War, Think Tank, Russia-Ukrainian War, Ukrainian Human Language, Ukrainian Ethnic Groups. And then we get, of course, to the related searches, a video game, Elden Ring, Ukraine War, Ukraine War, Russian War, Russian War. So I just find it odd, right? So for 20 years, if you wanted to search Google and like find things out about war, well, guess what? Like video games, movies, don't think about Iraq and Afghanistan. But now with this Google search engine algorithm or whatever they're doing like if you search war well let's think about ukraine let's really consider this topic let's think about it not and it bothers me for 20 years they didn't want us really thinking about iraq uh, you could even say like parts of pakistan i think we were droning um iran maybe we droned some parts somalia yemen and this thing they do isn't just related to war right so like you have frozen this is the main one people do right and I'm not 
So if you do the movie Frozen, Frozen Burritos, Disney on Ice, Frozen, Naked and Afraid, Frozen, Frozen. But it's like Walt Disney was frozen. So that's the main conspiracy where perhaps people like go to Google search and they're like, oh, look at these other terms. But I think maybe the most frightening thing is the way they control the word war. What a boring intro. Sorry about that. Um, I had other things that were related to that, but I can't draw them to mind right now. There's so many, there's a few other examples. Frozen's an easy one with Walt Disney. Um, but in fact, you can find this example of them kind of bearing search terms, search things in different ways where they, they don't really want you to find things in the way that you think. I, I kind of see Google uh, the same thing like a supermarket, one of my favorite things to talk about, where you go into a supermarket and you're corralled, right, towards a certain uh, exit, right? And then you go through all the aisles. It's The supermarket's designed like a corral. So I think the, the internet is the same way, but it's hard to, to conceptualize that or think about it in that way because it's, for, for most people, I think when you go on the internet, it's not like a physical place. It's a screen typically. It's a weird interaction for the mind to go into. But I do think the internet is a corral for your mind and there are certain things that push you in certain directions, whether they be ads, people, or, or things of that nature. And I like or social media, for example, I think that your feed could be curated by an algorithm to make you think about and, and go do certain things, right? Like, oh, it's no secret with commercials in the past, like you'd see a dank ass Taco Bell commercial. Like, you know what? Maybe I do want that beefy cheese bean burrito. Not, not anymore. I don't eat wage slave food anymore. Right? And this is something a lot of people don't understand. And I've seen this term come into popularity. Here's another thing I'm, I'm seeing come into popularity. Uh, there's this whole schizophrenic phase where phase, maybe it's still there now where like the schizo posting, stuff like that. But what I'm seeing now is an embracing of autism. Now, I've embraced my autism 100%. You know, uh, and some might say it's parody, it's a play, it's a joke, but I'm seeing other people, and I don't know if I'm starting this trend of like, I'm autistic and it's cool or whatever, um, but I'm, I'm seeing other people claim with, you know, kind of like joyfulness autism, and I'm happy for it. You know, I think more people should be out and autistic. Um, it's just a great thing to be sometimes. And sometimes it's not, right? And it has its challenges. So I don't even know where I was going with that. Fuck. But yeah, um, I'm just saying the trend of autism's going up and people accepting it. I think the numbers of autism obviously are going up. And that's real. And people are like sitting around pussyfoot not knowing what autism. Like, oh, well, how do you get it? I think you could catch it midlife. I've said that before. I think you could just get hit with autism in your late teens. Uh, obviously, people just catch it at around three years old. They don't know what's going on there. Um, isn't that the funniest thing? Like, you, all of a sudden, you get a three-year-old and they just turn autistic. You're like, what? How'd that happen? Um, <laughs> it's like, that's when the identifying markers are. Oh, man. Uh, autism is a is an interesting thing. I covered that in my last podcast, if you're listening, where they identified two uh, markers for autism, at least they could test for it, which happened to be lead and aluminum. Go figure. So, you know, if you got lead and aluminum in your hair, you might be autistic. And I'm just assuming you could catch lead and aluminum any time in your life. You could just be hit with stray aluminum. Like, bam! Just, just get it. Just imagine getting a hit of aluminum. Boom! Making you autistic. And your hair is just like lead and aluminum out and like you're turning into I like think about that aluminum might be a receptor for things too because it's your hair's an antenna i don't even know if i'm fucking making sense right now um it's so weird when you start a podcast or like initially i'm like oh man i have so many things i want to talk about like oh, i'm just ready and then you look at the time i'm 13 minutes in and i'm thinking what the fuck did i even want to talk about you know what i'm saying what did I even have on my mind? Jesus Christ. Um, what else do I have on my mind? Um, you know, there's a lot of things, really. Um, the news typically is on my mind. Um, but again, with the news, what the fuck? You know, who really gives a fuck? 
the the news sucks as of late. It really does. There's not a lot of good things. You know, people just dying, just falling over. That's kind of strange. Oh, this is something. There's a Utah man who is so strange. He got a spinal cord stroke. You know, what the fuck is going on here? Very rare. That is a very rare thing to happen to someone. He just like was chilling. Look this up. Spinal cord stroke, man in Utah. God bless him. Hope he's doing well. But, you know, all these people just be stroking out lately. And what the fuck? Like, nobody's really, really worried about all these people stroking over. It's kind of crazy. Um, just, uh, it, it, I don't get it. You know, the, the news, the players. A lot of people th- seem to have ideas about what's going on. But I think the whole point is, let's do this term. Unexpected death. Oh, it's going down. That's unusual. Oh, man, natural environment. Look at this. Isn't this, when you search unexpected death, risk factor, natural environment, safety, psychological, academic, Cameron Boyce, sudden unexpected death. It's sad, huh? Health, death. Look at this. Isn't that interesting? What if we go all time? Oh, there's really strange searches there. You know, they really don't want you to, hmm, doesn't have enough data. Can you imagine not having enough data on that topic being Google? Fuck, what? That's unusual. That is like a, a blaring, a bla, it's, it's, it's not a good sign when you have the, the biggest search engine in the world and they're like, you know what? I don't think we have what you're looking for. <laughs> Jesus Christ, that's bad. Uh, Google search trends is a fascinating tool. And I like Google maps too. Uh, Google maps is a fun tool. I just to see where, how, and the land looks because everybody has the, an idea of, you know, what's around them. But I, I find if you go on Google maps and I like to visualize, you know, every state I'm in pretty much like, where is it in case you got to escape? You always have to imagine in, uh, a world-ending situation. You got a comet or asteroid, whatever, and it could be a comet. You have maybe nuclear war. You got to know your north, south, east, and west, and where to go. Do you go towards dry desert? Do you go towards mountainous region? Do you go towards a lake? You kind of have to have all this stuff mapped out because you want to survive. You want to survive the end of the world. And I kind of wish that would happen. But the more and more I think about it, I'm driven to believe that there, in fact, there will, I came out as pro-war. I, I'm starting to believe that I don't know if we'll ever really get a ground war again where people like get drafted, go die on the front lines. I kind of, I don't, you know, don't want that to happen. But like I said before, to clarify my previous position on the last episode, I think if you vote for a candidate or a representative and they vote for a bill that funds a war or funds killing people in like some type of military conflict, your family should automatically be enrolled into the draft. I think if we did that, you would just see a bunch of people say, you know what, maybe we don't want to fund Ukraine anymore because my kid doesn't want to die. I don't want my kid to die. I don't want me to die. But all these fucking leftists and rightists funding wars they're not fighting in or funding a conflict they're not participating in with U.S. tax dollars needs to end. I think we absolutely need to just start signing people up to go to war. And I think it would be a great thing. I think if we could just get more Americans into the Army, the Marines, the Air Force, if we could all just push them out of America – All these people who want conflict. I think at the end of the day, if it's kind of like uh, Darwinism, if we get all these people who really want to kill, fund war and conflict, if we just get them, hey, you want this? And we send them over there? I think we reduce that type of population here. And maybe at the end of the day, we have less conflict. I can dream. 
You know, I really could. And that's how it is. I, I wish... Here's another thing interesting. All of the... The, the political climate right now where it's if you even I think if you pay attention to it and like believe in it you're almost insane like if you really believe there's this there's this faith in humanity it's almost like religion this faith in the institution of our government that it's that it's doing what it should be doing I think if you take a look at history Obviously, our government's been fucking up, but there's this new group of people, these Zoomers and Millennials, who think that if they get in control, like the government's a sock puppet, right? And they say, if my hand goes up that sock's ass, it's going to be okay. And then it's obviously not. You get a new hand up the, the sock puppet called the president's ass every four years. Nothing changes. Some people say, well, things have changed. The economy's bad now. It wasn't bad under Trump, blah, blah, blah. It's always the same, right? In my mind, it's always the same people in control, always the same politicians. You have the people on the left saying, no more old, rich, white guys, racist as president. Well, how about Biden? None of it. It's so fucking insane. Like the, the fact that people have faith. They, they put faith in this system. They believe in it. They say like, oh, if, just vote for me. Listen to me. Put in my policies it will make the system better. I think we're so far past that. It's like wishful thinking that it's wishful thinking that you could really change the world. It's unfortunate, right? It's it's almost extremely un and we have this propaganda system that tells everybody you if you don't change the world, the world's going to die. If you don't change these things, people are going to die. If you don't keep trying, it's this weird sick system we have that I think is preying on the human collective, just natural desire to want to help each other and, and be a part of a community. There's this weird propaganda system making people give themselves this system. And I don't agree with it. Right? I don't agree with, because the, the idea is like, give yourself to the system, then you can change it. Like, give yourself to our government. Vote in these policies and it will change things, right? The idea that the, the, the thing I don't understand about climate change is we caused it so we can control it. That's the idea, right? So humans cause climate change. So therefore, if we caused it, we can mitigate it. We can control it. Like this weird God complex on the left where they, they're almost atheistic, but they believe they can do things God could, like control the weather. And they do with cloud seeding with all kinds of high-tech equipment um, to modify the weather. So it is this weird thing where like they, they're blaming the population, saying, you caused this, but you can fix this. The way you fix this is paying us to keep changing the climate. And what's another thing? Like, oh, poverty, people dying, freedom. If you give us your life and your money, we can save Ukraine. We can save the whole Israel-Palestine thing is just insane. Where like if anybody on the left talks about Ukraine and they don't want to mention Israel and Palestine, like what the fuck's going on here? Pe people are detached. Their their thinkings are all in silos, right? Where like, well, they they just inhabit different silos of thinking whenever it's convenient. I call it hermit crab thinking because people don't really know how to think for themselves. So because they don't know how to think for themselves, they go to an authority. Like, I don't know. Like, uh, they, let's just keep it basic. They go to Fox News. Tucker Carlson said this. Or Rachel Maddow said this. Or did you hear hear what uh, the doctors, the, the lawyers, the, the scientists, did you hear what they said? And at the end of the day, a lot of times I think people don't even understand that, like, money is everything. All the way to the top. Like, money pads people's pockets. Money keeps people quiet. And there's this weird faith in our collective that, like, people at the top are somehow immune from being corrupt like there's no way Fauci or Biden or Trump like all, it's all of them right all of them there's no way like the, each fucking group of people thinks not my king your king's a tyrant not my king my king's good and nice my party's right as soon as my party gets their hand up that socks ass and starts controlling things you'll see you'll see 
everybody thinks, and I think it's, it's this Gen Z is so fucked because I think there were moments in the millennials and Gen Xers and boomers lives where guess what? Like it was just them. They really had to be by themselves as individuals and think for themselves, whether it was good or bad. I don't know, but Gen Z has never had a moment to themselves. They've always had something in front of them. These fucking idiot autistic Gen Zers. They've always had a screen, right? They've always had social media. They've always just had something in front of them. They've never really been by themselves. Dude, I've, when I was a kid, they said, I said, I'm bored. They said, go look at clouds. They said, go on the swing. Go do something. Go out, leave, go play. There's toys. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, use your own time with yourself to find something for yourself to do that you enjoy. And I feel like Gen Z and each generation after this, the amount of time where these people just sit by themselves, not meditation, almost it is, but just like, hey, you're just you, just your thoughts. Nobody's around you. You're by yourself. But everybody now has like a screen four or five people they can talk to immediately, whether they're real or not. You know what I mean? They could even go to chat GPT, which is a fucking AI. People really don't ever have to be by themselves anymore. And I think being by yourself in moments of solitary thought at a young age, all the way to adulthood is good. Just be like going for a walk, right? Being in a room of silence, no phone, no screen, just you chilling. And I think that's why like smoking weed used to be a thing. It's different now. Like for me, when I was young, like smoking weed was like a community. We'd all sit together. We'd all sit in a circle, light an apple up, you know, and just hang out with each other in an organic, medicated way. And now like you, I don't know, like I feel like that. I'm sure that still goes on, but not like it used to. Imagine the 70s show, if anybody's seen that old shit, where they'd all sit in the basement and get high. Like, that's gone. People get get high in a basement, they all sit and look at their screens. Everybody's so detached. Not from the world, but from themselves, I would argue. Like, they, they just don't know. I'm only fucking 26 minutes into this shit. Holy fuck. Jesus Christ, I got a half hour more. Um, and I'm just repeating old material. So what else am I going to, you know, I'm just, I think that going forward, I think it's imperative that the youth and more people in general, young and old, find times to separate themselves from the world. And now, cause the, I think the whole world is, the reason this is, is I think two reasons. I have a, I have a philosophy about this. So what happened was reading used to be a very individual thing. Our country used to be a country of readers, right? Your dad, if you grew up in the past, your dad would read the newspaper. They'd read books. They'd read the Bible. People would read, 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 read. Then the radio came along. People would listen. We became more auditory and more collective in our, uh, our attention. We went from reading something individually to listening to something collectively, right? So you take that. And then we got the screen. Right, so the screen is another addition onto this. You've got the radio, then you got the screen, the first TV. Then everybody sits around, they look at the TV. Before everybody used to have time to be in their own world, right? To be individuals, but our technology has forced us more into a collective space, a collective community, and it's all it's it's part of like a propaganda, but it's also just a result of the technology we've we've created, where we've become more collective. Our old technology was very individual. Right. Only those who could read could read. Right. But now all those who can listen can listen. All those who can watch can watch. And reading and being an individual is kind of decayed in our society as we become more connected to watching and and doing things collectively. But then again, I say we have an inverse. Right. So before in the 90s, 80s and 60s, 70s, 50s, whenever something was on the screen, it was a collective viewing. Right. Everybody would watch the same thing. And then you'd have water cooler talk about it. Like, oh, did you see Star Wars last night at the movie theater? That shit was crazy. Everybody would share a collective experience about this. Then 
we went back to individual experiences, but on a collective side where we all got our own screens. We all got our own personal world we got to go into where I didn't have to watch and participate in the thing you were watching anymore. So I think we're going through this weird shift from all the way from reading as individuals to watching things collectively. Now we're watching things individually and listening to things individually and reading and the individualism is kind of, it's still there, but it's detached. It's almost shunned. If you're an individual and you're only concerned about yourself and not the larger issues at hand, you're, you're considered insensitive. You don't care about racism. You don't care about poverty. You don't, you know what I mean? Like there's just endless dogpile of things that if you don't give yourself to the collective, if you're not giving your collective attention, if you're not giving your attention to the collective issues, you're looked down upon. Some shit like that. Halfway through the podcast. Fuck. Jesus Christ. What am I going to talk about for uh, another half hour? Ugh. So the my issues are this. How do you become an individual in a collective society? This goes back to uh, my own views. This goes back to the Odyssey. Where people say, oh, the telephone game doesn't work. But that's how things get lost through history. I actually believe that humans developed a linguistic pattern of... It's uh, fuck, a mnemonic... I think it's, that's the proper term. They developed a mnemonic tool to memorize things and tell them in a, in a story-like auditory way. So like, if you try to tell a child to memorize something, it's going to be difficult. But if you tell a child to memorize something in the form of a tune, let's start with uh, multiplication. 7, 14, 21, 28. You're right. You, you turn it into a tune. The ability to remember and recall that in a mnemonic way is a lot stronger. So my point is, you go back to the Odyssey, you go back to the Iliad, Homer, those weren't books, right? Those were stories that were memorized and recited, right? So if you read, like, the first, when when uh, my stupid Neanderthal understanding of how language evolved, when writing became, like, so when the Odyssey and the Iliad went to, to writing, uh, it, it's almost like it tur- they had to turn the song into a concrete form. Like they had, to, they had to put it on paper. So in other words, the first forms of writing were songs, right? So then what I'm really saying is we're back where we started, right? So before you needed books, they were in a state and time and place where things were shared in an auditory and visual way, much like screens are. Much like, Nobody needed to read. Someone would get on the stage, they'd sing the Iliad or the Odyssey, and everybody was entitled, not entitled, it was oppor- they had the opportunity to listen, memorize it, and try to recite it. And nobody was excluded in some sense, unless they were deaf, or they didn't understand the language being said, from appreciating the Iliad and Odyssey. So long story short, what the fuck am I saying? I'm saying we're back where we started as far as language and society, where we were at an auditory, visual, acoustic society, right? Where things were stories and visually they were acted out. Now we're back there again, right? Where we devolved. We went from having somebody on stage singing the Iliad and Odyssey to to a point to where you could only appreciate that if you could read it or somebody wanted to read it out loud to you because people stopped memorizing things like that. They did. They stopped that the skill or the gift of storytelling, the 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 trait that's passed down, and we went to an exclusive. I think it would be a visual, not auditory, uh, society. So we went from an auditory visual society. No, auditory visual to this makes no fucking sense to people, to a strictly visual society, where we just read things, and there was a time where people, I believe, could only. Like the way people would learn to read was out loud. And so St. Thomas Aquinas, I'd like to be fact-checked on this. St. Thomas Aquinas, if anybody knows who he is, was the first person to be, I think, 
publicized to have been like, oh, he, that dude can read in his head? No fucking way. You can read that in your head and then tell us what it said? Because before everybody could only read out loud, that's how, like, the, the idea of reading in your head was not, it's almost like the four-minute mile. Nobody had done it. Nobody had done the reading in your head. But now people take it for granted. Like, everybody can read in their head. And if you don't read in your head, people tell you to shut the fuck up. I don't need you to read that Taco Bell sign. Or, hey, half off. Now, imagine if everybody just read shit out loud all the time. That'd be so fucking annoying. Oh, like, you can't read in your head? Imagine a whole group of people just reading out loud in the library. Like, Jesus Christ, will these fucking idiots figure out how to read inside their head? I don't know, if anybody wants more academic information on all the shit I talked about, you can go look up Harold Enos and Marshall McLuhan. Basically, that's where I cited or I've regurgitated most of my information from. Harold Enos, Methods of Communication is the book, I think, and Marshall McLuhan. So both of those authors are basically where I just, I mean, I regurgitated in a butchered way their philosophy and their research. And... I'm five. Oh my god! Mediocre podcast. That's for sure. Um, so what are we? What am I saying? I, I'm saying our society now is fractured. We don't. We have a group of people. They're the elites, and they're the ones still spending time developing this individual growth. And what I mean by that is they're sending their kids to private schools like Phillips Exeter Academy. They're uh, getting educated in the Harkness method. And they're doing things that are tried and true in developing a personal a person. I think people are actually there's there is a proven method towards developing humans. It's not a secret. This whole thing like what's how do we fix public education? It's not about fixing it. They would never, ever want to fix public education. Are you kidding me? Imagine a society filled with managers where nobody really has these. They're, they're not pro- programmed or conditioned to do route repetitive work. Right? That's what our public school teaches. A lot of people just figure out how to do route repetitive work over and over again. Because when, when you leave this high school, you're going to go flip patties for six or seven hours. And you better fucking appreciate that you're going to do the same shit over and over again now the harkness method phillips exeter academy these private schools top tier some people say my kid went to a private school that yeah there's public schools that are really good there's public schools that are really shitty too and there's some private schools phillips exeter academy you and your family will never go to my family will never go to i can't Six. This is why the price tag sixty thousand dollars a year. Imagine sending your kid to high school. It's their freshman year. You get a bill bigger than a college bill, right? Imagine that. Send your kid to high school. You get a little check in the mail. Sixty thousand dollars for your freshman year in high school. Are you fucking kidding me? Well, if you want them to be at the top of the very top of the world, that's where you send your kid. It's not a secret. And I think it's fascinating where people really don't like who's the illuminati they're they they send their kids all to the same school (laughs) it's one of the like people used to say who are they like oh it's so hard to figure out no it's not they are a group of people who all collectively want to retain their power so they collectively all send their kids to the same school and you can go look at the alumni list stupid easy stupid easy to see who's in control in this country and around the world you don't need to be a fucking conspiracy theorist. You just need to not use Google. Say, what's the most expensive school in the world? <laughs> if I was the elite and I didn't want my kid to hang out with ruffians, I'd send him to the boarding school. Like Catcher in the Rye. That's what Catcher in the Rye is all about. The problems of boarding school. And I've read that book, right? And when I read that book, I was like, oh, isn't this so sad? Why, Like this, this young boy is getting, I think the, the story is he gets molested by his teacher. At the end of the book. And you're like, oh my God, this book is dark and sad. And it really tells a, a terrible, it paints a terrible picture about sending your kid to a boarding school. And I think that's probably a bad idea. Even if you could afford to send your kid 
or even had the means to send your kid to a boarding school, I think it's borderline a cult. It is a cult. A cult and cult. Both. And like to to join that club. Oh my God. You gotta be different. You gotta be willing to I think do some crazy satanic shit at the end of the day, most likely. Not though. I'm not saying the elites are all Satanists. Definitely not. I think a lot of them. I think Satanism is a what's it called? It's a crude word for an old language, right? It's it's not the right word. Definitely. I don't even probably know who Satan is. Probably praying to something else. But uh, Phillips Exeter Academy. I'd like to just honestly, if I could have a do back for one year of school, I'd I'd spend personally one year in school at Phillips Exeter. That'd be cool, just to see what it's like. I mean, what is it like? It's got to be surreal, Harry Potter like. It's got to be just like Harry Potter. That's what I think Harry Potter was trying to depict, these elite schools. And for most people, I think like me or other people, like I'm a public school product. It's hard to imagine going to a boarding school, like a really nice one. There's two kinds. Utah's as a state is known for boarding schools, but not the good ones, right? Paris Hilton has made made it pretty clear, and so have several other people that the boarding school problems in Utah are, I think, systemic throughout the whole state, probably, because there's boarding schools top to bottom. They have like wilderness programs, all kinds of things. But these boarding schools are for bad kids. These are bad kid boarding schools. <laughs> I remember driving past. There's there's so many. It's fascinating. But you drive past them when I was young. My dad would tell me like, hey, that's where they send bad kids. I'm like, what do you mean send bad kids? If they don't listen. And I I didn't get it. But it is true. Like these parents, they have these ODD kids and they don't know what to do with them. So they send them to these boarding schools for bad kids. <laughs> Naughty kids. Um, and they're obviously, is recalcitrant the right word? Recalcitrant. Recalcitrant. Fuck, haven't used that one in a while. Having an obst obstinately uncooperative attitude toward authority or discipline. It's actually the correct word. Recalcitrant. I'm so... F Man, my brain. I would never use that word ever, but when I need to, I will. So these, these kids are very recalcitrant. And again, that means having an obstinately uncooperative attitude toward authority or discipline. I get it. Fuck authority. Fuck discipline. Um, but it is fascinating how the wealthy elite have two options. You send your kid to the top tier, you send them to Phillips Exeter. If they're cooperative, if they want to be good kids, but if they're not, send them to the wilderness program in Utah. That'll, that'll shape them up. I think like Post Malone did that too. That's why he moved back to Utah. He actually liked his wilderness training program. Maybe it wasn't him. There's been a few celebrities. Utah, I mean, Lindsay Lohan, she was in Utah for a while. I remember that whole era. What an era. The Lindsay Lohan era in Utah when she went to the, the rehab. There's always rumors around school saying, like people leaving lunch every day, trying to go see if they could spot Lindsay Lohan at a, you know, a Dairy Queen or uh, a Burger King or any of those. Any of those places people go. So um, what else we got on the docket? Who knows? Who knows where we're going to talk about? Private school's over. What else? What else? What else? 45 minutes. Not my best. Not my best podcast. Not my worst podcast. And getting back in the saddle of podcasting. doing whatever this is. I always try to think of interesting things, interesting stories and people that I try to bring to the the podcast. And there have been a few interesting people or stories that I've seen. And obviously, when you go to the grocery store, that's one. Um, and here's, here's the story. 
I, you ever see somebody with, um, they got the handicap plate, like, all right, you got the handicap thing, you can park in a handicap stall, but they got a vehicle that's, excuse me, like a monster, it's a truck, it's, or it's a really nice car, a Mercedes. They got the, they got that, and you're like, what? Interesting, you're disabled, but you drive a fucking monster truck? How do you get out of that thing? Um, my point is, I saw this this huge truck parked. It was in two handicap stalls, which is impressive to do that. It's almost disrespectful to the other handicap people. But first of all, hold on. First of all, if you do that, I believe you probably are entitled to both those stalls. If that's the best you can park, you get both stalls. So they, they park like they, you know, usually pull into the stall, but they came in like this, just side angle, just took up both stalls, handicap too, and they had the handicap sign. And I was kind of in shock because you think about it and I would say, why don't you repark? That would be the polite thing to do. But again, this person's handicap, I would say, I think handicap's kind of falling out in the linguistic phrase this person who experiences disabilities of some extent um had had the right to take up two stalls because maybe i didn't i didn't see them get in or out of the vehicle i just saw like i got there and they were just that that big old monster truck was parked right into handicap stalls they had the handicap sticker proudly displayed and i just i think in moments like that i think they're justified I had no problem. Like if somebody wasn't handicapped and they parked in two stalls like that, I'd say asshole, big asshole. Like, dude, why are you parking in two stalls? You think your car is that nice? Get the fuck out of here. But if you're handicapped and you park in two handicapped stalls in that kind of manner, I actually think maybe you have a right to do that. So I didn't even complain. I was like, good. If somebody else needs that handicap stall, they're going to have to wait because this dude really fucking needs to take up two stalls. What a bold move, too. Because the handicap stalls are like uh, the handicap bathrooms. They're extra big. You know what I'm saying? So you got you got double space. You could kind of sprawl out. Relax. Open your door without even worrying about hitting another car. Because they, they give you that extra width. They give you that that double wide when you park in that handicap. Which made it even more surprising when I saw this truck fill up both those handicap stalls like like nothing. They could have fit in one just fine. So that's something I saw in my world. I was a little bit like, what the fuck? But I liked it. It made sense. That's the only time in my life where, where I said, seems justified parking in two stalls at once. Because you also have a sticker. And I don't, you know, I don't know the rules really that well with handicap parking spots. But nor do I want one. I think they're overrated. Parking close is not that important. Unless it's raining or severe weather. If it's severe weather, you always want to park close. You want that VIP parking, undoubtedly. Um, what else did I notice in my world? Oh, homelessness. So... I drove to a, a part of town that, you know, I haven't been to in a while. But they have, I talked about this before, but homeless people have these, they figured it out. Like there's these hot spots they can stand in where they, if they, if they wait long enough, they're bound to catch a fish. It's almost like fishermen who go out every day to the lake. They know where the spots are. And I hadn't been to this part of town, but I remember being really young. We're like, oh, yeah, that's a homeless person's kind of always stood there. And I wonder what it is like these energy vector points, these what are they called? Energy ley lines are these ley lines these homeless people are tapping into. How do they all find? Is it a business? Do they stand outside certain businesses? This isn't information I explicitly want to know, but I want to know like how they all vibrate on this certain pattern throughout the decades where they all seamlessly seem to 
end up in the same spots. Now I see, I've seen, here's a, here's another guy. Here's a woman. I've seen her quite often. It's the, the bookstore homeless lady. This lady, again, I saw her again. Begging for money to go buy books. And I don't know how she does it. Or I was thinking about this. Does she buy the books and then resell them somewhere else to make money? Like, is this her little, like, hustle? What is the hustle of buying magazines and books from the money you beg outside? Don't get it. I mean, if I was homeless, it's better than drugs. If you're going to beg for money and... You're going to take it from people. Maybe like buying books and magazines is good. I don't know. It's the only time I've seen that. Homeless people are strange. Strange cats. Good people, some of them. Um, no update on the... It, it is interesting, the, the whole rumor of there being a serial killer in Salt Lake City that kills homeless people. No update on that. That was just a, a viral rumor that just died quickly which is a fascinating thing to think about you got a serial killer who's killing homeless people in salt lake city and they're like no let's not talk about that is it true i don't know and the problem is there's so many of these homeless people i think this like i don't even imagine like being a a journalist and like finding out it's uh you know i don't think you want to find out who that person is personally and i don't think they're homeless if they are real, or if it is, even is a real story, or that it's just that, like, what do they? Who do they think they are? Going around taking out God's creatures like that. It's depressing. I hope it's not true. The Salt Lake City homeless serial killer. What a sad thing. It's even sadder that if it is real, that nobody wants to talk about it. They're like, oh well, fuck, man. I mean. Few, few less tense. There's a. I bet that's what a lot of people are saying in the police department. If it is true, they're like, "Well, what are you gonna do about it?" You know. I mean, he he's cleaning up the city, quote unquote. Terrible, isn't it? Terrible. I wonder if he has a name, the slasher. Who knows? Maybe the maybe it was that guy. Maybe it was that Idaho guy, and he wanted to get a few rounds of practice in. That would make sense. Think about that. The the Idaho serial killer warmed up in Salt Lake City with a few homeless people. That's why the story died down. I wonder. What a fascinating turn of events that would be if he like later admitted years on in prison that like he, his kill count was way higher. I'm like what? Really? That's a Netflix special. I I that's the other thing. I don't get the Netflix hasn't even made a video about that. They put out that Tiger King shit fast. Fast. Well, running out of topics to talk about. Um, fuck, man. Anything else I could think of before this this ends? Um, haven't seen Avatar 2. Don't know about that. Um... Fuck, man. I guess the podcast is... I got five more minutes. Hardest thing in the world to do is talk to yourself with five minutes. Um, well, you know. Fuck, dude. This is... Uh, what else do I want to talk about? That I it was somewhat interesting. Jeez. Dude. There's probably... Oh, I watched this. I did watch something. What did I watch? It's a, a TV show. Um, Alice in Borderlands. It's on Netflix. And it's about Japanese people playing Hunger Games. And they're like, man, this Hunger Games trope where people like play games, they die, they live. Very popular. This This apocalyptic... No Man's Land. Gotta play games to survive. Reminds me a little bit of uh, the game, the movie Saw. Jeez, remember that whole... I wonder if they still do it. There was this weird hostel. 
was a weird time in Hollywood where they were making some fucked up shit. Just like gore porn. Like, wow, man. Why are you making such gruesome stuff? They really desensitized a good chunk of America. Imagine The Exorcist, right? That movie. All the way to Hostel, Saw. What a progression in cinema. Holy shit. And people are like, oh, I don't... And then on YouTube, you have... Like the whole general, I remember you, I'm a YouTube person where I remember no ads, right? I remember a YouTube era where it was ad free. What a time. And you could watch Saddam Hussein get hanged. I remember that. I remember that day on the news, like Saddam Hussein got hanged. It's on YouTube. I'm like, All right, let's go fucking see if it is. Sure enough. Sure enough, Saddam Hussein, watch him get hanged on YouTube. That was the Wild West, right? You had people posting uh, the, what was it, the the ISIS beheading videos. That was going on. The Wild West days of YouTube. The good days, right? Where people, I never saw those videos. I never wanted to. But they're they're there, sure. I'm still I'm sure they're still there. If anybody, people doubted they were real. Like, oh, those are fake videos. I can't. Who wants to watch that video long enough to determine whether it's real or fake? Holy shit! Not me. Fuck. Those are some dedicated conspiracy theorists. The ones who watching the beheading videos, like I don't know. I don't know. It could be fake. Could be a fake beheading video. I think it. Let me watch it again. Let me see his head get chopped off one more time. God, these people. How do they sleep? How could you sleep? That'd be burned into your brain, right? If you had to do the research on that one. Oh, my God. I watched that beheading video eight times and convinced it's fake. Now here's my research. <laughs> oh, my God. I, like... Those are the one things, like, if you get into conspiracy theories and you got to, like, that's, you couldn't pay me to watch any of that shit or make content about it. Oh, my God. All right, show's over. I'm going to end it here. That was a rough podcast. I don't know why. Just was. Um, I hope it was worth it. I hope you uh, enjoyed the podcast. This is episode, what was the episode? Provoking. Yeah, provoking. Um, where's the music? So, man, tough, tough podcast for me. I don't always bring. I don't I don't always bring it. I try. Um, I do try. So again, thank you for listening. God bless you all. Hope you have a wonderful uh, Sunday. And we're going to play some Cardinal Bloom. Nice little band. Nice little ditty. I'll be home a little past nine. Got a broken windshield. Another flat tire. I'm running late for work. Trying to get myself fired tonight Can't even pay the rent Why the hell am I working overtime? But I'm learning to love myself a little more All my friends say it takes time Love myself